in our meditation we we try to be present mindful however we want to express that and we we discover that in a sense we are very little present which means that we are absent and i wonder where are we when we are absent if we want to find ourselves back it's better to know where we are when we are not here so that we know where to look for ourselves so where are we when we are not present and it is true that uh, no one is uh, leaving the meditation hall so it's not that people are not present because they are out you know. so it is a very strange situation that everyone is here yet if we were checking the quality of presence there would be not many people here now there would I be here also so most of the time there would be nearly no one in this hall <laughs> so so i think that's a interesting question so where are we when we are not present we know it doesn't mean that we that we disappear physically so so what's happening we we cannot disappear physically that will be clear if we went out we will no doubt about that so how how do we do that how is it possible for us to be in a sense present because we can never be where we are not yet being absent how do we do that so then when we try to be present mindful we in a sense understand a little bit where we are hiding so to speak so i, I wonder where are the places where we can hide and i think in one book of martin buber starting by saying that god asked to adam he said well, where are you and he said and you know, that god doesn't know where adam is but he is asking this question because adam is hiding from himself he doesn't know where he is so he could ask ourselves this question so where, where am i and to easily answer there seated in my cushion will be not enough so in a sense how we can be here and not be present so in our meditation we try to do something which is a little bit ambiguous we try to be present however it is completely impossible not to be present so we try to do the only thing that it is only possible to do to be doing it. so i would like to explore tonight uh, where are we when we are not present or mindful we'll see <clears throat> which word we can use so using the term present mean in the sense is linked with the temporality and and we know that we can sometimes be lost in past and future so one easy answer will be when i am not present i'm lost i'm lost in past and future and that certainly something that can happen although it is also true that we don't disappear in the past we don't disappear in the future it's only through our imagination we are still here 
thinking about the past and here thinking about the future now. Yet we have the sense of being lost in past and future. And this being lost in, in past and future does not depend only on on notion of time. I don't need to think about yesterday or tomorrow. Just memories of something that I place in the past is enough for me to feel that I am in the past. Or anticipation of something that may happen in the future, project me in the future. So in this sense, we, we are in, a, in an imaginary world, not in touch with ourselves. We are in this uh, strange world, fascinating world sometimes of imagination. But the notion of, of time and temporality also is there, even when we don't think about uh, past or imagine the future, only when we want to, to transform our experience, to, to change something. There's slight sleepiness, I, I try to get rid of sleepiness. There's a slight pain, I want to get rid of that. It means at this time, what I have in mind, I have in mind something which is not present. I have in mind... Uh, a similar experience but slightly improved. So this anticipation, this wish to transform, to change, please means the future. It's no, not possible to transform without time. We need time to transform, even a very short time. So as, as soon as we wish to transform, to improve, we are jumping into temporality. And then we cannot be in touch with what is there. So we may say we are lost in past and future, and sometimes also a certain aspect of future that is implied in our attempt to transform, to improve. And we try to transform and improve, then we miss what is here. We miss the actuality of the experience. We don't want to deal with that. We want to deal with something else which is not here. Now, it doesn't mean that uh, in the notion of temporality there is past, there is future, and there is present. It doesn't mean that we become a club that is only worshipping the present. So that we try to hold on to and give a specific value to the present. Because the present is also a notion of temporality. So as soon as we cling to something as happening now in the present, we make also a concept. When we are and just mindful, just in, in, in the experience uh, that we are going to try to describe that, there is no notion of temporality. There is just this experience that uh, we are aware of. So it is important, although we use a lot present, or I use a lot present presence, it doesn't mean that we, we make an issue of the present present or presence, as sometimes it uh, seems to appear you know, in, in some books, or that suddenly the, the present is an end in itself. It's just, we use that because it already uh, helps us not to cling to past and future, yeah, as a skillful tool, but not as an over 
valuation of the present. But the question arises, would it be possible not to be present, mindful, yet not being lost in past and future? Or if you like, is it possible to be lost in the present? When there is no notion of past and future, even no attempt to, to transform or to improve. So in this uh, context, we will not speak so much about uh, past, future and present. We will oppose present and presence and absence. Is it possible to be absent? Yet not being absent in the past and future. So absent, being absent means being outside. That's what absent means, outside, out of. So we may wonder when, when we are absent in our meditation, out of what are we? As we mentioned, not out of the meditation hall. So out of what are we when we are absent? We could express that in a, saying that most of the time we, we are, as I said, absent mean out of, so most of the time we are in exile. Spend our time being in exile. Looking for the, for the promised land. But it is not that we are outside of our home or homeland. We are in exile in our own homeland, in the promised land, because we don't recognize it and we are in exile. So it is a, a quite strange situation to be in exile in one's own homeland. And then it also makes it difficult because when one is in exile in one's home, homeland, there is no promised land where we can go to because we are already there. And you know that when we try in our meditation to, uh, I like to, to reach, to, to find it, or, or to be present, when present or present start to be an aim, it makes it difficult because an aim is always in the future. So if we make of being present, we make it a name, so we, we just make it impossible. So how come that we are in exile in our own homeland? Very interesting situation and strange situation. It is just because we don't know that we are in our homeland. We don't know, we don't recognize it. And therefore, we feel that we're in exile. So why, why we don't know that we are already in our homeland, which means we are already in this quality of presence that we can never escape from. How come that, that we don't know? We don't know it because we know too much something else. There's so much knowing of something else that does not leave room or space for knowing 
where we are, knowing that we are our own homeland. So what, what do we know? Or what does knowing mean? Knowing mean in a sense to translate an, an experience into concept so that we can keep it, we can organize it, we can transmit it. So when an experience is arising, we immediately conceptualize it, so we know it, we can remember. An experience, if it is not conceptualized, we could not remember it. What we bring in our memory is like a, a duplication of an experience. When there is an experience, we, we make a concept of it, and that we can keep. And next day, we can bring it back to, to memory. But the experience, we cannot. If we could bring the experience, then we could just experience the past. I could bring the experience itself of um, the food I ate at lunch, or whatever, or, or the nice swim I had in the sea. If I could experience it again, then we could move into, into temporality, and re-expand the past. So what we can do, we can just take a picture of it, so to speak, and keep that in mind. And that's what the conceptualization is. We, we take a picture of that, we make a concept, and that we remember. So to know in this sense is to translate an experience into a concept that can be kept, organized. You know. People have organized all the the knowledge of the different plants in, in huge books, you know, in the birds and everything. We go to the library and you see huge, huge encyclopedia with so much knowledge that had, had been gathered and organized there. So knowledge is always a, a translation of an experience. So when I say we, we know to many things or too strongly so that we don't know that we are in a homeland. It means that we are, we are concerned, fascinated by what we see. I, I go outside and I, I look at the trees so I can be very fascinated by the trees, by the song, song of the birds, by anything else. So if I'm fascinated by that, what do I know? I know the tree, I know the, the song of the bird, I know maybe my, my thought about the organization of something for next week, I know very clearly. So this knowing that um, we, we bring, or our mind is always concerned with, is in a sense taking all the space uh, of our experience that there is no knowing of where we are. It means that there is no knowing of the mind itself, but only the knowing of the content. For us to know something, when seeing, when hearing, tasting, or even thinking, to know something, there is also an important dimension. We need to know that we are knowing. Otherwise, if we did not know that we are knowing something, the knowing or not knowing will be the same. If I 
I know this kind of tree. But if I don't know that I am knowing it, and it's like if I did not know. So in, in any experience there is the knowing of something, and there is also, to some extent, the knowing that we are knowing this thing. But you see, for the, the knowing of a tree, I need to know that I know the tree. Otherwise this knowing is similar to a not knowing. But now I know that I am knowing. But if this knowing is the same type, then I will need a third knowing to know that I am knowing, that I am knowing the tree. So which means that the, the knowing that I am knowing is a different type, is not a conceptualization. It is just the awareness, it is just the quality of consciousness itself that it knows itself, is aware of itself, like a, the flame of a candle is also is giving light to itself. It doesn't need another candle to see that uh, this candle is, uh, is lit, you know. You don't need that. The light of the candle is giving light to what is around, but to itself, because that is nature, is to, to, to be light. In the same sense, consciousness awareness, by nature, is awareness. And for consciousness to be aware and to be the same thing. There's no, no two things. So the knowing that I know something is not conceptual, is not a knowing that is grasping at, it's just being aware that I know. I'm, I'm being aware. I'm aware that I know the tree. I'm aware that uh, I perceive the tree. I'm aware that I'm hearing the sound of the bird. And that in every experience, whatever it is, there is always this awareness that, uh, that we are perceiving, hearing, tasting, thinking. We can even not imagine that we could be completely unaware that we are seeing, tasting, or, or hearing, or thinking. So this awareness of knowing, it is awareness of consciousness. In, in every experience, sometimes she's very weak, so to speak, because all the energy is given to the object. If I am fascinated by, by the trees or by the song of the birds, I'm so much clinging, so interested in this, what is being heard, what is being known, that I'm not present, that I'm not aware, that I'm hearing, I'm not aware that I am seeing. So when we are, when, uh, when we are absent, it's in our mind, in the same, same experience of being aware of hearing, being aware of seeing, tasting or hearing, we are in exile when we give too much importance, when we are lost, so to speak, or all the energy is in the content of the experience. Then, then we are not aware that there is not this quality of presence in the experience. So we are always in exile in, in the world of object, of experiences, what we hear, what we taste, what we think about. So, so much that there is no, uh, no, no space, no opening for being aware that there is knowing happening, that there is seeing happening, that there is hearing happening. So we are never out of ourselves in the same experience of seeing, tasting, thinking, 
we are just giving too much importance to the contents and not to the fact that we are being aware of seeing something, hearing something. So we lost in the content. When we say we are lost in past and future, it's the same. We are lost because we cling to this content, the content of my memory here, if it is past, I cling to that, I'm not aware. But if I'm aware that I am remembering, now there is remembering, then I can be home, not in exile. I can be fully present in these memories because I don't give all the energy to memories, but to being aware of remembering. If I'm anticipating the future, I give all my energy to this anticipation, then I'm lost in the content. There is no space for energy, for being aware that I am anticipating the future. So it's not that I need suddenly to, necessarily to stop the anticipation, but it is importance I'm giving. If I start to be aware that I'm thinking and anticipating, then I feel home, then I can be aware, then I can be present. In the meditation we have suggested when there are a lot of thoughts to be aware of the emotion. Sometimes thoughts are coming again and again of the same type and they can be linked with past and future. So when we try to be to be aware of the emotion, the emotion has a quality that is happening right now and it is quite obvious. If I remember something of the past that makes me sad, the memories are dealing with something past that may give me the illusion that I am in the past. But the emotion, the sadness, is happening right now. So, it is a skillful way by connecting to the emotion to ground our experience in something which is clearer, less confusing. That is a way for us not to be lost with this sometimes fascination for past or for future. So we are, we are never out or we are never away. We are always here, and in our homeland, in the promised land. We just don't recognize it because we are so much concerned with some, something different, something else. And this quality of being aware, of seeing or hearing, is what we call mindfulness. And in a sense, that's what we are practicing. To be mindful is not to know sounds and even sensations or, or thoughts. To be mindful is this awareness that hearing is happening, there's hearing, there's tasting, there's thinking, feeling of emotion. I mean that there is a, a releasing of this fascination for the content of the experience to be more aware of the experiencing itself, of the, the awareness experiencing itself. And this awareness experiencing itself, 
is our being, our presence, which is of course here every instant, unless we're in a deep sleep, and then there's no problem at this time. So some people are, are saying, well, I recognize, as we have said, you know, be, be aware of your emotion. Uh, and then some people say, yes, I'm aware, I recognize, there's sadness. And so what? It's still there, you know, or there's sleepiness, I recognize it, so something should happen, and it's still there. You know? or, or frustration, or boredom, I recognize, and it doesn't change. I don't see the value of it, it doesn't seem to be so interesting. Because here we are satisfied with knowing, giving it a name, but not with experiencing, not with this quality of mindfulness that is fully experiencing it. Being being aware that one is experiencing, I I can be lost in, in sadness, I, it's very clear, I will know that I am sad. If somebody says, what's happening? I know I'm sad. I will say, oh, that's strange, I'm sad. I know. It will be absurd to be sad and not knowing when he's sad, or to be happy and not knowing when he's happy. Not, not uh, hidden. So I can, I, can, I can know it, but fully experiencing it is different. To be completely aware. There's this quality of being aware of the experiencing in the sadness, in, in the joy, in, in the sleepiness. But it, if we are reacting against uh, the experiencing, again, the, the sadness, sleepiness, or whatever experience, if we are resisting it, then we cannot be mindful. If you want something else, then we cannot be mindful. Because for, for the resisting of it, or the wishing something else, there's a way to hold to this experience, sadness, sleepiness, or whatever. We are holding it uh, as an object, if you like. And then when we hold that as an object, it is not possible to experience it with intimacy. We are cutting ourselves, we are cutting from the possibility to be aware when we make a thing, an object of those experiences. And, and that is the case when there is aversion or desire for something else or uh, judgment about the experience. So that is why in our meditation beatitude is so important. As soon as there is resistance, you know, aversion or grasping, reaching out for something else or uh, conceptualization, a way to grasp this experience as being this or that, as soon as there is any of those three, we cannot be present, and if you like, we are in exile. Because this way of resisting means that we have made an object of that, and then we cannot have this quality of intimacy. So this is an important part of our meditation, to be aware of the quality of the mind meditating. So it is our, our main job, not so much to 
go deep into a physical sensation. That's fine if it's happened sometimes when the mind is, is, is subtle, but it's, it is really about being aware of the quality of the mind meditating. As soon as the mind is resisting, reaching out for something else, or grasping it in a way with a judgment, evaluation, then we cannot be mindful, we cannot be present. If you like, that is a way to be lost in the known, in what, what we know, and there is no quality of being present there. So we can only be really present or mindful if we are open to the situation. Now this openness to the situation is not a matter of resignation. And if I experience sadness and I I got the instruction I should not resist, I should not try to change it. And so now I say, okay, I will stay with sadness, hopefully something will happen. And uh, um, I cannot change it and transform it, it's not allowed in meditation. So now, so I'm waiting. Uh, or even maybe sometimes being uh, disheartened, you know. Okay, that that's my meditation, that's me, you know, and this way or that way. And that's still a way to, to make it an object, that's still a way to grasp at it, that's still a way not to experience it. So resignation is not the, the, the proper attitude. It's still a way to, to resist the experience. So we, we could nearly sense it physically, uh, we are resisting. Again, I take the example of, of sadness. First, I know it is there, so I can name it, if you like, a sadness. Then I can also be aware that it is unpleasant. And maybe I don't like to, to experience it. There is aversion there. So being aware of the, of the aversion, I am not acting out the aversion. I recognize the presence of aversion, that's fine. But I am not going to act it out because... I have tried many times and I want to try something different. So that's fine, I don't like it. But what is this uh, sadness actually? And then I start to resist less and open to the experiencing of it. And in this experiencing of it, I may experience it without any conceptualization. Now I want to bring another element there. It is that quite often this awareness uh, of the experience, awareness of hearing, tasting, thinking, or or the awareness of emotion, uh, which is just consciousness, just being aware, we also make it into a thing. So we have this uh, I and uh, sad, I am sad. So a way to make this awareness into an object, a thing, is by the concept I. Suddenly I see, I hear. You see, there is just this awareness of seeing, this awareness of hearing, and now I make a, an object of it, I, the conceptualization, I, solidifying I, I see, I hear. And when that's happening, I cannot be intimate with the experience. This I, that, this I concept I, that I bring into the experience, 
does not uh, leave space for the intimacy with the experience. So as long as there is a sense of ah in my meditation, hearing, tasting, or sad, you know, I'm sad, this is not mindfulness. There's only mindfulness where there's a fullness of the experience without any sense of I. Now, it doesn't mean that something disappears. Sometimes when speaking about no sense of I, people start to worry, you know, why, where, where would I disappear? You know, no disappearance, it's just, just a sort of concept that is not brought into the experience. There's full consciousness. It's not a limitation when one is not identifying on the contrary. There's a wholeness of the experience when one experiences hearing or tasting or sadness or anything. If one does not identify, one does not bring the concept I in the experience, there's a much more vastness, a fullness, and, and a freedom. Because the sense of I bring a limitation, condensation of the experience. So there's no practice of mindfulness if there's a sense of I, me. It doesn't mean that the experience of sadness or something like that is a, is a universal. No, it is connected with each individual Then, when one is experiencing that. But just the sense of I, the concept of I, is not brought, not kept in the experience. So nothing is being lost but a thought, a concept. And uh, there's a sense of much uh, vastness and completeness in the experience and freedom. Mindfulness is not the end or the aim of meditation, but it is really what allows wisdom and freedom to arise. So we, we don't need to look outside of the present experience. It's always exactly there, exactly with what's happening right now. Either I recognize it as a promised land or I feel in exile. Something is lacking. And when something is lacking because I'm clinging too much to, a, to an object of an experience, the content of an experience, then there's a sense of fragmentation, limitation. A lack of, of fullness, a lack of wholeness. And then I may uh, try to find this sense of wholeness, in that. try to find an object of desire, I want, to, uh, I want this or that, you know. that. That will fulfill me. And then one is going in a circle and uh, trying to reach out for, to find an object for satisfaction. But uh, trying to find satisfaction or fullness or completeness in another object or another person. Then it cut ourselves from the fullness of our own being. There's more frustration, therefore we should have more design, get more, more of this, more of that. So this sense of freedom that can be experienced in a, in a clear mindfulness can be experienced at any time of our practice. Sometimes we feel that our practice is balanced and then there's this quality and sometimes we are, we are resisting and it, it seems more, more difficult. But it's not a, between a wrong attitude and a right attitude, there's not a long distance. 
Sometimes the difference is so small. It's very small. And it happens sometimes in the practice when one has a wrong attitude, when persevere in this wrong attitude. And it seems very difficult and uh, hopeless. I will never make it. And, and for some reason, suddenly when one has let go of this maybe forcing or clinging, and suddenly was in the right attitude, and it seems so clear, obvious, simple. So the, the distance is not very far. But it is important to check our attitude, because with the wrong attitude, we can practice for a long time. If we practice with the wrong attitude, then we are always going to fight and, and never find this uh, sensitivity and quality in our meditation. So we can experience, in, in, uh, instead of proper mindfulness, uh, a sense of freedom. I, I've spoken here about difficult experience, but it's the same with uh, pleasant experience. I made my meditation experience uh, calmness, joy, clarity. And I may in the same way be, be lost in the content of the experience. I'm quite pleased with the calmness or the joy. Oh, that's nice, that's good. I hope it lasts to the end of the retreat. Or even if I don't elaborate that so much, I'm really happy that there's uh, a sense of uh, identifying, a sense of grasping at this experience. And in the same way, if I've been more intimate with this calmness or joy, I'm more intimate with that, suddenly the joy does not disappear. But then I experience freedom. And then I see very clearly it is different. A joy which is in a sense and clinging to it, which is a kind of subtle bondage, and a joy that is experienced without identification, that is freedom, is very different. So it is important when, when we have this quality of experience, sometimes of joy, calmness, also to check to see if we have the proper attitude or not. Because in a sense, it is easier at this time. Usually the motivation is less at this time. We like to enjoy a little bit. But, uh, but it is still easier, because the challenge is less uh, strong, to uh, discover the proper disposition within, within the experience, so that there is no identification. We don't cling to the sense of I in the experience. Now one may wonder, but... How? How is it possible, you know, <coughs> to not to bring the sense of I in the experience? So one now one may try to get rid of it, you know, and that's even more difficult you know, because who is trying to get rid of whom, you know? And we get into a, a difficult situation. It's not about getting rid of anything. It is about being more open, intimate with the experience. Sutra, which is, in a sense, the ground for the practice of meditation that we're doing here, Satipatthana Sutra. Satipatthana means a a close of mindfulness, means that we are very close to the experience, but so close to the experience that there is no distance. For example, with hearing, I hear the the bird. an elaboration, they're quite complex, and in my meditation, then I just try to, just to be hearing, okay, I don't know, I hear the bird, but just 
just listening and suddenly there's just hearing and this hearing experience everything is there there's a sense of, of fullness of completeness and then if I reflect later on I see there was no sense of I there not because I, I've pushed it away but because I've tried to be closer to the experience and tasting is the same you know? tasting the food I'm tasting this or that and then suddenly one tried to be just just what is this expense of tasting and in this instant just in tasting that's just tasting when then we'll discover there was no one experiencing that nothing was missing on the contrary there was a fullness of experiencing it one can also experience that in seeing if one turns one head around you know, not not building an object scene you know if I, if I'm outside I see the park and I turn my head in many ways I see every time it's very different what I'm seeing but I believe I'm seeing the same I'm seeing the same object which is a park but my experience of seeing it is different every instant so if I stay with the experience not with my construction of what I'm seeing which is uh, normal and we need that in daily life no doubt we are just trying to explore more, or with more intimacy the experience itself. So seeing is happening exactly, let's say, in me, you know, seeing every instant. Another experience of seeing. And if I'm just in this seeing, there's just seeing. There's not, I see this or that. It's just this seeing happening with a sense of completeness, of wholeness, not of separation. So the the practice of mindfulness is not a trying to get rid of it's just being being closer to the experience more intimate to any experience same with uh, let's come back to emotion same with the emotion sadness and I am sad it's, it's painful it's heavy and I may even bring again and again the good reason I have to be sad and then I Try just just to listen, so to speak, to the sadness. So sadness is like that. And physical dimension of sadness and the mental dimension of sadness. Sadness is this, this quality of mind. It's very interesting in experiencing just sadness. Sadness is like that. It's just sadness, nothing more, nothing less. And when one finds the proper disposition within this emotion, sadness, it's not a problem anymore. One has not got rid of, one has not transformed it, one has found peace within the sadness. By being intimate with the experience, not because one tried to get rid of something. So as it has been expressed many times by, by teacher of meditation, well known like Masi Sayado and others, why do we meditate? In order to not grasp. When we grasp as being this or that, then there's a limitation, and there's a, there's a tension there. In not grasp, it means just being experiencing. So this freedom that can be experienced within a difficult uh, emotion, for example, is give us the sense of the freedom that is possible, that we don't need to get rid of all our difficulty in life in order finally to be fine. You know. 
most probably will never get uh, to the end of difficulty in life because there's always something different arising. You know? And as we grow older, there's even new stuff arising. So dreaming that will uh, be able suddenly to be free of any difficulties doesn't, doesn't make sense. But it is rather to find freedom within the experience themselves. Then it doesn't matter what, whatever is happening, we can find freedom. Now this freedom that is uh, found in mindfulness is, is not like enlightenment. Enlightenment would say that certainly a freedom, like ultimate freedom, when there is really something that is, that, that is a belief, a strong belief in the self or something like that, has completely be cut uh, and does not appear anymore. It's something more definitive in what we call awakening. So there's in awakening there is certainly freedom, but uh, any sense of freedom in our meditation is not necessarily awakening. But it gives us the sense, the sense of the practice, the, the possibility that the practice can bring. And I think when, when we start to experience that at times, then we trust that the practice has this, this possibility, this potentiality for us. It is not about, about you know, making effort to, to control our mind so that our mind will become peaceful and, and stable. It's not about controlling. It's about dancing with all our experience, but being exactly right in the middle of the experience, at this heart of the experience where we don't cling to the experience, because we are close to it, we are at the heart of the experience, not because we keep at a distance. It does take practice, for most of us. Hope for you it does not take practice and it is more natural, but for those that is not so natural, what we, we need to practice. I will be with you, because since I need a lot of practice, I will be with you in the practice. But I trust completely that this, this freedom can be experienced and we can start to develop that. And from this uh, mindfulness, then wisdom can arise. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.